0: Welcome to the Caregiver Conversations podcast. My name is Antonia harbin Lamb, and I am the Program Manager for Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. The purpose of this podcast is to provide information and resources for caregivers so they can be more successful and effective caregivers. This podcast is being sponsored by the Prevent Initiative, The PREVENT Initiative funds programs focused on elder abuse and neglect prevention. Today, we will be discussing how caregivers can care and protect their older loved ones with disabilities. Today, I am happy to have with me Melissa Mahaj. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology and journalism from Texas A&M University, She also has a master's degree in clinical psychology from Sam Houston University. Currently, she is a community education facilitator for the Disability Network of Oakland and Macomb County. Melissa and I also work together as co-chairs of the Coordinated Community Response Coalition, a task force that addresses elder abuse prevention. Her program at the Disability Network is also funded by the PREVENT Initiative. Thank you for joining me today, Melissa.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Antonia. I really am happy to be here and share this kind of information with your audience.
0: So recently, I heard that the American Disabilities Act celebrated its 30th anniversary.
1: Correct. July 26th in 1990 was the official signing day of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And it's a wonderful piece of legislation that guarantees access to many, many resources for people with all different kinds of disabilities. It really underscores the old saying, a rising tide lifts all boats, and that everybody benefits from the ADA, not just people with disabilities.
0: Okay. How did your organization celebrate this momentous occasion?
1: Yes. So we did a number of things. We had a multi- pronged strategy with it. We did a number of social media awareness raising kinds of posts. We did a lot of discussions behind the scenes about what it actually means to be inclusive. We're actually in this upcoming year, we are planning on doing an art contest, really showcasing the strengths of our community members who have disabilities. And there's lots of other things. There's some abuse related initiatives that we've also done. And so just kind of a lot of different things.
0: Okay, that sounds great. Now, what do caregivers need to know as it pertains to taking care of their older loved ones that have disabilities? Is there any advice or anything that you would say that is really important that they know?
1: Yeah, well, first off, and this is true no matter who you're caring for, you really need to prioritize your own care as well. A lot of times I talk to caregivers and it's a very exhausting and demanding role, particularly if you have other obligations or if you or the person you're caring for has a disability, it's even more exhausting because you have to do a little, get a little more creative with it. So I always advise people to make sure and take care of yourself. First and foremost, because you can't help the person unless you are whole. So I would start there. And then I think a lot of times people with disabilities, we assume we really focus on a lot of the negative things. We really focus on what the person can't do. But it's really important, too, to realize the person has strength. And it's a whole lot easier to work with strength than it is to try to minimize any kind of difficulties they might have. So sometimes just focusing on strengths can really help turn that situation from being so exhausting to being more manageable. Still stressful, not going to be no stress, but less stressful than just rolling with all of the um, negatives about the situation, and then ultimately translates into quality of life. So most people I talk to, and this is true, even if you have a disability. Um, Most people I talk to really, when they talk about having a good living situation, they're talking about having good quality of life. So making sure there's a lot of life packed into those moments rather than how long can I extend this person's life. And I'll give you a good example of this. So my grandmother, she had mixed dementia. She had vascular dementia and also Alzheimer's dementia at the same time. And for her, physically, she was relatively okay, but cognitively, she was not at a certain point. And so we really wrestled with, do we go ahead and treat all of the physical conditions as aggressively as we can, knowing that that's going to diminish her quality of life? Or do we say, you know what? It's okay if you don't want to pursue treatment for cancer, because it's a miserable existence. And so I think really focusing on preserving that person's autonomy and decision-making can go a long way towards enhancing quality of life. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that is great, Melissa. Thanks for sharing your personal story as well. Just switch gears a little bit and mention that because older adults with disabilities are more vulnerable, how do we prevent them from being abused? Yeah, that is a huge question. And it's
1: very complex, as you probably know. So one of the things that we need to make sure, I think, and keep in mind is that there are certain risk factors that make somebody more at risk for experiencing elder abuse as they age. Having a disability is one of those things. And so it really depends on what other kinds of characteristics the person has. But one of the things that we can do is make sure and spread the word, keep awareness at the forefront. I know in uh, the Parent Project, and then there's other projects as well that really focus on getting the word out there and really helping people identify abuse when you see it. It's not always a red flaming sign that says, help, I'm being abused. Um, a lot of times, it's more subtle than that. It's a change in behavior. It's a change in your response. It's cowering in the face of certain people. It's it's um, all of a sudden losing interest in things that you used to enjoy because something happened there. All of that is relevant no matter who you are. But as we age with a disability, it's something. I'll give you a quick example in that. At least 30% of women who have a disability experience sexual abuse in addition to other types of abuse. Mm. So that's a staggering amount. That is a lot. Yes. And part of it is that we, we feel like we don't know enough to be able to intervene or we don't necessarily know where to go, how to support somebody in that situation. I always recommend let's be like Homeland Security. And if you see something, say something. That seems to work pretty well. And then also the other thing I would say is it's really important to validate the person who may survive abuse. It's really important to validate their, their story and their experience. Because a lot of times with abuse, there's a lot of gaslighting. There's a lot of, oh, that didn't happen. You're misinterpreting that. That's not the way it went down. You're missing this. And it makes the person, the survivor of abuse, Doubt themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what abusers sometimes count on is that the person will not be sure of their own experience. And so, therefore, when they tell it to other people, because of that waveringness, sometimes we think they're not necessarily telling the truth. But I think going from the assumption they are rather than, well, they must have misinterpreted that. People with disabilities no. certainly know when things are wrong, that doesn't go away. And so we should really pay attention to those things.
0: Okay. Thank you for that. Can you tell us a little bit more about your organization and how you all help the older adult community with disabilities?
1: Yeah. So I work for Disability Network Oakland and Macomb. We are a, my coworker is exiting currently. Um, (laughs) We are a nonprofit that is, a Center for Independent Living, and which is a federal designation. And essentially, our job is to help people with disabilities live as independently as possible. And so we first the person with the disability to kind of tell us, hey, what are you going to, what do you want to do about this? Here are some options that I know of. Which one do you want? The other good thing about that is that because of that designation, we also are required to have um, at least 51% of our staff has a disability themselves. So it's very likely when you interact with one of us, we have a disability as well. Mm-hmm. We get it. We know what it's like to try to navigate a really complex
0: system. Wow, that's that seems like really helpful coming from that perspective and helping others with disabilities.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think people are not as willing to self-declare maybe as they are in other circumstances but I think once they are like, you know I get it. I, you know I have debilitating anxiety too so I get what it's like to have to deal with that every day. It can really it puts a different spin on
0: information. Absolutely. Any other resources or information we should be aware of for those with disabilities? Anything you want to add?
1: There are definitely other types of agencies that can be helpful for people. I just recently attended a whole three-part series from an agency in Ohio called LEAP, or Linking Employment Abilities and Potential, O-E-A-P. They do a three-part series called Survive and Thrive, which is all about surviving catastrophes when you have a disability. So it goes into a lot of emergency preparedness and things like that. And then also I would recommend for your audience looking at the National Centers for Independent Living site as well, and that's at N as in Nancy, T as in cat, I as in igloo, L as in larry.org. Okay. And of course, you can always check us out as well. Our website is B as in disability, N as in network, O as in Oakland, M as in dot
0: org. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today, Melissa.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Antonia.
0: This is Antonia harbin Lamb. Thank you for listening. For more information about our mediation program and more podcasts, please call 313-937-8282 or find us on Facebook at Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. It's where families coming apart come together.